We're not used my to going through life being scared of our And I no cells. longer had control of myself. Once you are, I'm a person with Lyme disease. I'm a cancer What patient. I went through I was so lonely and so scary you that I thought really if I can convey a message that makes what you are. people just so a little bit less lonely and terrified, the then that that's what I would have wished Increases your chances of getting better. Don't congratulate ourselves enough for the fact no matter what happened, we're still here and we did it. Whatever you're experiencing, having hope makes all the difference. Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. If you at all struggle with chronic illness or really any situation where you feel alone or stuck or like you'll never get better, I think you will find this episode so inspirational, so encouraging, and truly it could provide a light at the end of the tunnel. Honestly, while editing it has been like therapy for me, it is just that amazing and encouraging. The show notes for today's episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash wellness. We will be having an Instagram giveaway for this episode. Yay, free things. <laughs> and that will be for a copy of Ariane Resnick's book, How to Be Well When You're Not. To enter, just go to my Instagram, that is at melanieavalon. Follow me, follow Ariane, which will be tagged there, and comment something that you're grateful for to enter. If you'd like early access to my podcast 24 hours in advance, definitely follow me in the Himalaya app. It's my favorite app for podcast listening. And not just because I'm a Himalaya partnered show, it really is that amazing. You can follow all your shows, keep them in one place, leave comments, leave feedback on episodes. It even has a dark mode so you can use it at night and not mess up your circadian rhythm. So definitely check that out. Also, please join me in my Facebook group. That is Paleo OMAD Biohackers. Intermittent fasting plus real foods plus life. We talk about everything there, biohacking, paleo, intermittent fasting, how to tackle various health issues. It's all there, so please join me. Also, I wanted to tell you about a few products that I personally use that I think can especially come in handy with chronic illness. So if you're struggling at all with sleep issues, trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep, I definitely know what that's like. I cannot recommend enough that you check out the supplement Sleep Remedy. It was developed by Dr. Kirk Parsley. I actually had him on the podcast for episode number three, but he developed it to address insomnia in Navy SEALs, and he is the go-to sleep guy. He knows everything about sleep. And what's amazing about Sleep Remedy is it is completely natural. Basically, it just provides the substrates your brain needs to instigate the sleep process. So it's not a pharmaceutical drug that's going to knock you out. Rather, it just provides the nutrients, like I said, that your brain needs so you can fall asleep and more importantly, stay asleep. And if you go to sleepremedy.com and use the code MelanieAvalon, you will receive 10% off your order. So definitely check that out. 
Also, if you're struggling at all with digestive issues of any sort, I definitely recommend you check out my app. It's called Food Sense Guide. I developed it for my own food sensitivities to try to find a pattern to see what I was reacting to. Because as it turns out, there are a lot of compounds naturally found in the foods we eat, which can cause digestive distress and other issues in people who are sensitive to them. So that's things like histamines, oxalates, amines, whether or not something is a nightshade. And it is a searchable catalog of 300 plus foods. You can also learn about the compounds, make personal lists, and so much more. And I have some very, very exciting updates that I'm currently developing. So you will, of course, get those as well once they're available. One of the things that people often turn to as a crutch, especially with chronic illness, is their nightly glass or two of wine. And I'm actually a huge proponent of wine for health. I think it definitely has a place in a healthy lifestyle. But there is a caveat, as per usual. Most of the wines we drink today are full of pesticides, toxins, mold, they're high alcohol, they're high sugar, and they're most likely doing more harm than good. That's why I wholeheartedly recommend you check out Dry Farm Wines. They go throughout Europe to find the wineries practicing organic practices, and they test to make sure the wines are low alcohol, low sugar, free of toxins, free of mold, and truly actually supportive of health. And I have a super exciting offer for you guys. If you go to dryfarmwines.com slash melanieavalon, you will receive a bottle for a penny. Yes, a bottle for a penny. So definitely check that out. And speaking of toxins, if you like non-toxic beauty products, definitely check out Beauty Counter. They make amazing, wonderful, non-toxic makeup that is, most importantly to me, having struggled with heavy metal toxicity, they test for heavy metals, which are actually rampant in today's cosmetic supplies, especially the quote, healthy makeup, because it's often mineral-based, so it can be very, very high in things like lead. And if you go to beautycounter.com slash melanieavalon, after placing your first purchase, you will receive a hand-picked Beauty Counter gift shipped straight from me. All right, now enjoy the show. Hi friends, welcome to the show today. So I am so excited to be here with somebody that I personally know very, very well, and For a lot of my readers of What When Wine, you might also know her very, very well if you've made any of the amazing recipes that I have in that book. I am here today with Ariane Resnick. Ariane, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So for those of you who aren't familiar, when I first wrote my book, What When Wine, and knew that I was going to have recipes in it, I specifically sought her out to do the recipes for the book. And I was so honored to have her do it. They turned out amazing. She is so talented. So I am so happy to bring her back. So let me tell you a little bit about her. So she's a special diet chef, and she's also a certified nutritionist. And she creates indulgent, seemingly, quote, normal food out of simple and accessible whole food ingredients. And guys, she really is very, very talented at that. She's been all over the media. You might have seen her on CBS as The Doctors, on ABC News, and Cosmo, in Style, on Mind Body Green. She is just everywhere. And she also has right now out three amazing books, The Bone Broth Miracle. That was all about creating bone broth and the wonderful healing nature of it. And then she had The Thinking Girl's Guide to Drinking, Cocktails Without Regrets. She has amazing recipes in there for alcoholic drinks that can still leave you feeling good and healthy. And then more recently, she had Wake Sleep and That was also an amazing book. It has recipes that both help you wake up in the morning and put you to sleep at night and all in a health-promoting manner. 
But lastly, the reason we have her today, she has a new book coming out, and it is called How to Be Well When You're Not. And it actually has a foreword by Pink, which is super, super awesome. So that will be out in September 2019, hopefully around the time that this podcast is airing. But again, Ariane, so that was a, a lengthy intro, but again, thank you for being here. Thank you. That was a very, very sweet introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I just want listeners to know all about you. You have such a breadth of work and it's all just, I mean, it just helps so many people. So we really, really thank you for that. So I guess to start things off, in today's episode, we are going to be talking about your new book, How to Be Well When You're Not. And it diverges a little bit from your previous works, just as far as you know, a lot of them have been a lot of recipe based and cookbooks and things like that. And this new one is a very, very personal book that goes beyond that. Yes. My first non-cookbook. Your first, I don't want to say book book because those are books as well, but, um, but it is, it's, we, when we sold the audio rights, I got to narrate it because no one narrates a cookbook and this actually was a book book. So you're completely correct in, in framing it as that. Oh, congratulations. That's exciting. You, you're doing the audiobook for it? I did, yes. Oh, that's so fun. Oh, I can't wait till it's out. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> It'll be great to hear it coming in your own voice. It was very surprising to get chosen to do it because usually you have to be either quite a celebrity or a professional voiceover actor. So I had to audition for the part of myself and I was very honored to get cast for the part of myself and I had a blast recording it. I loved it. You know, I told the audiobook company afterwards that should they ever want anyone with as few qualifications as I have for other books, I would be more than happy. I loved it. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. So to start things off, I was wondering if you could tell listeners a little bit about your personal health history, your personal diet history, and how that all led to you writing How to Be Well When You're Not. So I grew up in a very holistic family, which worked much in my favor when I was dealing with chronic illness. And at the same time, the term orthorexia that came about in the last you know decade or so really, really applies to my family. In recent years, I've done a lot of unlearning attitudes about food. And I was able, thankfully, in this book to combine those things, both the strong holistic wellness side and the later in life kind of more wise, relaxed approach to food and to wellness. Yeah, I really, really saw that in reading your book. You have such a fascinating history. You grew up, I mean, basically were vegetarian, vegan, you're yeah, my parents stopped eating meat when I was somewhere between eight and 10 years old. So I was a vegetarian for like close to just about 30 years. And I cooked it in recent years, but it wasn't until the bone broth time that I started drinking broth. And then I didn't start eating meat until like a year and change ago, just a little over a year ago, which was a huge thing for me after 30 years. I was going to say, I think... I feel like you mentioned something about that in the book. And I was like, oh, is she eating meat now? Because I remember when I paired up with you for What When Wine, I think you were still vegan, vegetarian, vegan. I don't want to go on too many tangents, but how how is that having meat back in your life? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Except for that it's amazing. Yeah, I thought I would get used to it and kind of settle down, but I remain incredibly enthusiastic. That's putting it mildly. 
I love everybody to find the diet that works for them. So I'm, I'd be totally excited if you were still vegan, but I mean, I'm a meat lover myself and I feel like it benefits my body nutritionally pretty well. I do get excited when people who are aware of like environmental concerns and the importance of whole food, organic meat and things like that. And the importance of integrating that into a healthy lifestyle. I think that's super important. Back to your book, not a cookbook, a very personal book. And the beginning of it does revolve a lot around two chronic illnesses. Could you tell listeners a little bit about that? Like what happened to you and what that experience was like? The experience of Lyme disease and then carbon monoxide poisoning came almost consecutively one after the other. So it made it so that I spent pretty much from like age 30 to 35 laid up in one form or another. And that had a really big impact (laughs) on my life, obviously. Uh, With Lyme disease, it was late stage neurological which is what happens when you do not get sick when you get bitten by a tick. For a lot of people, they get bitten, they don't get sick, and they just never get sick. You can carry a million different things, like most of us carry Epstein-Barr and stuff like that, and your immune system fights it off. But often what happens is that later, when you enter a more stressful life situation, which can decrease your immunity, then you'll get sick. So by the time I knew something was going on, it had been about a year since I'd been in a situation that is where I assume I got bitten by a tick or a mosquito. And then it was a lot longer before, like another year of being sick before I got diagnosed. So by that point, it was neurological, which means that it's taken over you systemically. It's no longer acute. And it can be really difficult for people to treat. It's easier now, but it was very hard to find alternative methods of healing. And I discovered from that that even things like herbal antibiotics can really do you in (laughs) as much as conventional or close to as much as conventional antibiotics. So it was a difficult illness to treat. And thankfully, after a good couple of years with it, I did and I recovered completely. And I really felt that. I learned a lot and I thought I was done. And then less than a year later, I moved into an apartment with my ex that had a gas issue. And I ended up with slow, low-dose carbon monoxide poisoning for uh, about six months of exposure before the problem was found and fixed. And I began the recovery journey for that one. And as bad as Lyme disease was, carbon monoxide poisoning made it just look like a cold. It was so much worse. My brain was <laughs> in a tragic enough state that I had a diagnosis of Alzheimer's from Cedar sinai And I feel like that just kind of sums it all up real well what the experience was. It was very nightmarish. So when I managed to recover also holistically from that one, that's really when I began to understand that there was something to that, that I have an ability to get well and that maybe my focus in life, because I didn't really feel like I had much purpose up till that point, maybe my focus should be on how other people can feel better too, no matter what strange or weird or even normal thing is going wrong with them. So I really 
kind of don't take credit for it personally because it feels more like something that happened to me than that I actually accomplished. But through those two illnesses, I very much found my life purpose and have been working for the six years since then in that capacity of using food and writing and wellness as a vehicle to help other people feel better. Hi, friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference, May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. And of course, I have a massive discount code for you guys. I went last year to the one in Orlando and it was one of the most fun times of my entire life. I met and got to hang out with so many guests that I've had on the show. I met so many of you guys. And of course, there's lots of Danger Coffee and Dave Asprey approved meals and dry farm wines. And that's just the social aspect. The conference itself is mind blowing. They have this incredible expo where they have all the biohacking supplements, all the biohacking things. You can learn about them, try samples meet the creators and founders. If you haven't tried a lot of biohacking things, it's a great chance to actually try them out in person. Things like brain tap, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, and so much more. There are so many incredible speakers as well. You can hear talks from people I've had on the show like Paul Saladino, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Annika Becca, and that is just a few of them. I seriously had the time of my life last year, and I would love to hang out with you guys. And you can get 35% off tickets. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference and use the coupon code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. That's melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference with the code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. This code can be used for general admission or for VIP access. Seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come, definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas. MelanieAvalon.com slash biohacking conference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. Hi friends. One of the most valuable things that I do every single night of my life is my infrared sauna session. The brand that I use is Sunlighten. I did a lot of research on infrared saunas before deciding on them. Their saunas are so high quality, they're low EMF. And what I really love is they have a solo unit, that's what I have, and it's really great if you live in a small apartment, might be moving, it's just really an amazing investment and they have incredible deals and offers on it right now. You can actually get up to $200 off with the code Melanie Avalon, or if you're talking to a rep, just tell them that I sent you. And like I said, that will be up to $200 off and that will also get you $99 shipping. Normally the shipping is like $600. So that's a really, really big deal. And if you do purchase a sauna, forward your proof of purchase to podcast at melanieavalon.com. And I will also send you a signed copy of my book, What, When, Why. If you'd like to learn more about the science of sauna, two resources. I interviewed the founder of Sunlighten, Connie Zach. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then I also recently did an epic blog post all about the science of sauna. We'll also put that in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. Reading your book, you so beautifully captured the, the tragedy and the hauntingness and the feelings of chronic illness. And I, I think that is something that's really hard to understand if you haven't experienced it. But I think when you have experienced it, it is 
so understandable reading your work. It's so motivating because it's weird to think that it can be motivating to hear other people suffering or other people went through things as well, but knowing that you're not alone, because the thing about chronic illness, at least for me personally, because we actually have very similar experiences, the feeling of being trapped in your body and losing your sense of self and your sense of identity, I think is probably the scariest thing. Most obstacles that we face in life that are exterior at least they're exterior and it's like you have the option to embrace them or go for them or you know they can be dealt with or they cannot be dealt with but it's like kind of up to you but with chronic illness the obstacle is you in a way well we can talk about that it's like how do you escape yourself that's why i wrote the book was because what i went through was so lonely and so scary that i thought if i can convey a message that makes people just a little bit less lonely and terrified, then that's what I would have wished I had when I was sick. Well, you definitely did that with your book. And would you like to expand a little bit more on that as far as how chronic illness does influence your identity and like what you experienced with your identity with both Lyme disease and carbon monoxide poisoning? Yeah. We have a tendency as a society to be really wrapped up in labels you know, I am a white person, black person, brown person, queer person, straight person, like we we are very wrapped up in labels and identity. And so when you get a serious illness, it's really, very natural to be that now, like you often will hear people not say I have celiac, but I am celiac, as a term for just saying they have that autoimmune condition we have a tendency to put our obstacles and illnesses first in our identities. So when you have Lyme disease, people like refer to themselves as Lymeys. And I made the mistake when I was first diagnosed because it was such a relief in a way to get diagnosed after a year of going to doctors and being told that I was just depressed or crazy or whatever and knowing very strongly that something was physically wrong with me and specifically in my blood. It was such a relief to find out what it was. And I think a lot of people have that experience where it's difficult to get a diagnosis that when you do, it sort of becomes you. And the problem with that, once you are... I'm a person with Lyme disease, I'm a cancer patient, I have, you know, XYZ. Once you become that as an identity, you make it really hard to get better because it's what you are. And it's not, it doesn't work for recovery, but it's the natural inclination. So separating yourself from what you're experiencing in your body is vital to being able to recover from it. And it's something all the things in here in my book are things that I wish were taught somewhere, but there's just no class you can take on like how to deal. I think the closest thing is people will Google like chronic illness memes or like, you know, because you're just searching to relate to somebody who understands, especially with chronic illness. And you talked about this a little bit in your book with a lot of chronic illnesses. You don't see it on the outside per se. It can be kind of frustrating because people people won't understand or they'll th- they'll say that you look fine and you seem to be functioning fine when really, you know, you're experiencing this inner I mean, a hellish situation. Yeah. For me with Lyme, it was actually an extreme version of that because I had been very very thin before I got sick and then when I got sick, I gained about 25 pounds and everyone 
everywhere just started saying constantly, oh my goodness, you look so healthy. What have you been doing? And I was like, something is trying to kill me. There's something in my body trying to kill me. And like, this is not what health looks like. But we have all these different versions in our minds of what is, you know, a quote unquote healthy weight, which is complete nonsense. But for me, it happened to be the weight I was when sick. So I got when I told people I'm dealing with something very serious and I don't know what, or once I was diagnosed, I'm dealing with, you know, this list of things of Lyme and all the crap that goes with it. People were just like, oh, but you seem fine. It wasn't in, and like particularly well. And it wasn't until I was so much more sick while going through treatments that didn't end up being what fixed me. And it was obvious, like my limbs didn't bend for a period of time. So I walked like a very stiff old man. And it took until that point for people to be like, oh, I get it. You're sick. Thankfully, what we see with Ariane is that you did overcome Lyme disease. You did overcome carbon monoxide poisoning. I love the shift that you had because you had Lyme disease as you know, the first chronic illness experience, overcame that learned some things, but there were still things left to be learned. Had the carbon monoxide poisoning, learned even more from that. And what I love as well, as you said, you knew that Lyme never came back, you know, that second time when you got the carbon monoxide poisoning, which is very telling because like we said, these infectious diseases like Lyme disease, they do tend to hide in your immune system and then wait for periods of stress to come out. So the fact that the fact that you had that second stressful chronic illness situation and Lyme didn't come back, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that was very much my proof at the time. And that was the thing that people kept saying initially when I got sick with the carbon monoxide poisoning is you're probably just having a Lyme relapse. But I felt like having dealt with Lyme disease for two, three years, I really knew what it felt like. And I was confident that what I was experiencing was not that. But that was the general go-to for doctors was to just tell me that it was a relapse. And once I was able to prove that that wasn't it, and it's now been, geez, like almost a decade since I've had the Lyme, I'm very confident in saying I'm a person who had that past tense and very much do not. I love that so much. So you talk about having a wellness mindset and the importance of your mind in recovering from illness, from chronic illness. What do you mean by that, by a wellness mindset? And how do you apply that to overcoming these chronic illnesses? So at any given moment, you're either believing you're going to get better or believing you're not. And So many at this point, different studies around health and wellness and recovery have proven scientifically, not just hippie woo-woo, that the belief that you're going to get better increases your chances of getting better. It's sort of similar to the statistic where people who think they have bad luck tend to have bad luck and people who think they have good luck tend to have good luck. It's real. And Feeling the possibility that you can recover is very important to increase your chances of recovery from absolutely anything. But it's really different to just tell people, well, be more positive than it is to actually give them the tools to do that. So one thing that happened to me a lot when I was sick was that people kept telling me to think positively, believe you can get better, think about being better. But It was just really, really hard. And I definitely spent a long time in both illnesses just wallowing, thinking this is my life and I will never get better and this is how I'm going to die. And that's something that's compounded when you have doctors telling you 
that you're not going to get better, which I did for both illnesses. I was told that based on how severe they were, I could not expect a complete recovery at any point. So a wellness mindset is what you achieve when you believe you can get better. And my book isn't about telling people to do that. It's showing them how. So tools and exercises and tips and all sorts of things that create you and your ability to believe that you can get better. A wellness mindset is simply the feeling that you can get better once you've actually ingested it and believe it. I have become personally kind of obsessed with this concept of how our thoughts and our beliefs shape our physical bodies. And it's, like you said, it's very scientifically studied. It's shown, we we see it, we see it in studies, like people with cancer who believe they're going to get better or believe in a higher power is helping them are more likely to get better. I mean, across the board, we even see it with like the placebo effect. I mean, clearly we're taking a placebo pill and our body's making the changes. But that's what that's one thing I love about your book is on the one hand it's very easy to, you know, read all this, know all this, like okay, I know that my mind can fix my body, but then actually practically implementing that can be a little bit different <laughs> and a little bit more difficult. Yeah, it's it's impossible without tools. I don't think you can ever expect anyone in a situation of extreme illness or extreme pain to just be able to snap and feel like everything's going to get better. That's so hard. Yeah, exactly. So for listeners who check out this book, you know, it's not going to be all the science of how your mindset is literally changing your neurotransmitters. It's more like Ariane said about the tools, because we do know that rewiring our brain and changing our bodies very habit driven, I think, and you have to like keep doing it, even if you're not seeing the results. And so that's something I love about your book is you provide very applicable tools. They're fun. They're encouraging. Like one of the ones I really loved (laughs) was the good morning to me, which is so simple, but just the idea of, you know, waking up in the morning and having, you know, how you're starting your day and having that first moment be, you know, a good morning, welcome to yourself. And you talk about things like the importance of our inner dialogue and using our own name and addressing ourselves by our name. And there's just so many wonderful tools for listeners who may be struggling with chronic illness to hopefully get better. Do you have a favorite one that you'd like to share? That's definitely up there. The idea, and that's something that I now still have to remind myself of. It's so simple, but when you awake and establish the relationship with yourself, it's very calming. And it's a real quick version of like what a meditation would do where you're grounding and centering yourself in a way that you're not so reactive to every other circumstance and situation in life. So I like that. And also the other version of that, of saying goodnight to yourself and like thanking your body. One thing that has been really big for me is that when I was first getting better from each of my illnesses, I was so dedicated to like living in nothing but gratitude for wellness every moment for the rest of my life. But in reality, that is hard. <laughs> and it's it's not necessarily the case. We take everything for granted once we're used to it. So after a certain amount of time, I began to take wellness for granted because it wasn't something I had to think about anymore. And the process of saying goodnight to myself and thanking my body for its work reminds me, hey, 
I'm healthy. I'm doing well. Look at what my body did today. Look at what my brain accomplished today. Look at what my emotions did today and how they handled themselves in different scenarios and situations. So I think probably that even more than the good morning is my favorite and something that I still have to make a point of employing because I got away from it for a long time, but that I've found really just rewarding and calming for going to sleep to acknowledge all that has happened in the day that we survived and we made it through. We just don't congratulate ourselves enough for the fact that like, no matter what happened, we're still here and we did it. Yeah. I think we are definitely much too hard on ourselves, especially when you get in a situation like chronic illness. A lot of people, they feel like they're doing everything and nothing's working. And then you just beat yourself up more and more and more. And so switching that to a, a mindset of gratitude, of love, that is something you talk about, the role of love and healing. How do you think that, that factors in? I think that it's one of the biggest parts. <laughs> and it sounds kind of crazy because parts like taking the right medication to heal from what you're experiencing is also, of course, huge. But the thing with love is that it is this enormous part of all our culture and like everyone's culture around the world. So many of our stories, fiction, plays, movies, etc., revolve around love. And we want love to win. And typically, if love hasn't won, we consider the story not yet finished. We're compelled to let love win. And kind of tuning into that really can make a huge difference because it's very similar to just like the feeling of gratitude making you more able to recover because you're creating good feelings. When we think about good things, when we operate from positive places, we produce better chemicals in our brain and in our guts that make us feel better. And no matter how horrible physically you feel, if you can get yourself to feel a little better emotionally, you're going to end up feeling a little bit better physically. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about going back to the identity and everything. I think it's so common that with chronic illness, like we said, we become that illness or we become those symptoms and it becomes really hard to see beyond that. So what did you experience with associating yourself with your symptoms, seeing yourself as your chronic illness and disassociating yourself and realizing that you are not those symptoms? I found that my experience with illness was much, much more easy to manage once I was able to differentiate what I was experiencing based on being sick versus who I was. One thing that happened to me with Lyme disease was what's called like Lyme rage, where you just out of the blue over possibly nothing get like incredibly upset. And for me, that manifested more often in like crying upset versus yelling and screaming upset, although the yelling and screaming upset did happen as well. And when I went to therapy then, which was a godsend, my therapist worked through with me the behaviors that I was having that felt so foreign to me that were making me feel like my body had been overtaken by something and I no longer had control of myself. She helped me work with figuring out what those feelings were and what my actions were because of them, like what the problematic behaviors were and just being able to kind of put a sticky note on it and say, that's my illness. 
not to take responsibility away because I was still responsible for whatever I thought, felt, and did, but the act of knowing that you're operating from a different place and in different ways is very beneficial because it gives you pause when you're going through your day-to-day life to make you conscious of your behaviors before you do them. And one thing that I work through in the book with the exercises is figuring out what those behaviors are and what are things you can do to kind of cut them off before they start because you know they're not you. And the more you get in touch with the fact that that's not your core true self, the easier it becomes to separate from them and to squelch them. Disassociating yourself from your feelings, from your thoughts, from your symptoms, realizing that they're that they're okay. I think that's because that's a whole nother aspect. How do you both disassociate from them and not judge them and accept them, but still be responsible? Like there's so many layers. It's very, it's very layered. And I think that if you're someone who wasn't inclined towards the behaviors you had, like I'm never, I've never been a person with a temper, like in the slightest. So when you feel that level of foreignness, it's hard to operate from a place of anything beyond fear because we're not used to going through life being scared of our own selves. And that's really big to work through. That is really haunting, but really beautiful. One of the parts of the book that really, really resonated with me was you had this bathroom mirror epiphany moment. I was wondering if you could share a little bit about that with listeners because that just, it was so beautifully written and I really identified with it. So I was wondering if you could tell listeners a little bit about that. I think we all have moments that shape us and they come out of the blue and they change everything. And I didn't think that anything positive or good could come from my being sick when I had Lyme. I thought that I just felt very self-pitying for a long time. I was in my early 30s, so I felt like my youth was being taken from me during my last good years of it. And I didn't look the way I used to look, and I didn't feel the way I used to feel. And I was just, I spent a lot of time just really wallowing. And I worked very hard (laughs) to get away from that. And basically, I had a session of therapy where I did it instead of going in, I did it over the phone because I was just too sick to leave the house. And we got into my saying that I felt like I was at war with my body. And there was just no way for me to win against myself. And my therapist just sort of reframed that for me and said, the only way to win is to not fight what we need to be doing here is figuring out how to be friends with your body so that you guys win this together. And when she said it, it didn't really hit home. And I was just kind of like, well, that's pretty hippie. And I didn't like take it in too much. I didn't think. And then after the session, I got up and I went to the bathroom. And when I looked in the mirror For just a flash, but those flashes can sometimes feel like they last a really long time and contain a lot of information. I saw myself better, like in the future. I saw who I was going to be. And I realized all of the gifts that my illness had given me. I was going to be someone who had so much more compassion than I'd had earlier in life. And there were a lot of things, but I think compassion, both for myself and for others, really sums it up the best. And 
I blinked and I was back to my very sick looking self, but I knew that I was going to become a better person because I was sick, because I'd had to spend years going through what I went through. And I began to get better after that so fast. I believe that the treatment modalities I was using were working and I was nearing the point anyway of where I would have begun feeling better. But it happened as fast as I got sick, where over the course of about a month, I went from too sick to leave home to like out in the world, totally fine. Yeah, I got over that thing I was just sick with for years. Hey, friends. I hope you're enjoying this episode with Ariane. I'm glad you brought up the whole timeline aspect of it because that's something I'd like to focus on because I think, especially, you know, when we're struggling with these difficulties and these illnesses and these fluctuating senses of self that on the one hand, you know, a single second can seem like an eternity when you're locked in the grasp of not being able to escape and you can feel like you're going to be there forever and nothing is ever going to change. And I'm glad that you touched on that. So it sounds like you, at the beginning of your illness, very quickly progressed into it and got worse. And then, you know, stuck, 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 but then very quickly was, was able to come out of it. I mean, is, is, that, is that correct? Once those changes happened? Yeah. Carbon monoxide poisoning was a slower process, but it was still pretty quick in terms of the amount of time I spent sick versus how long it took to get better. Friends, you guys know I love wine. Do you love wine? I've done a lot of research on wine, and I truly believe there are a myriad of health benefits. The longest-lived populations drink wine. The polyphenols have a ton of potential health benefits, activating anti-aging sirtuins, potentially supporting our immunity, maybe even encouraging weight loss. Yep, it's actually not alcohol that makes people gain weight. It's what they eat when they drink. But if you want all of the benefits of wine, the type of wine you're drinking is key. Conventional wine in the US is often full of toxins. We're talking things like pesticides, mold, and additives, dyes, colorizers, artificial flavors. Have you even seen some wine that says vegan? That's because conventional wine isn't even necessarily vegan because of the additives. I am obsessed with a company called Dry Farm Wines. They're not a wine producer, but rather a wine investigator. They go all throughout Europe and they find the wineries practicing organic practices, and then they test those wines to make sure the wines are, wait for it, low alcohol, low sugar, free of toxins, free of mold, and truly supportive of your health. I'm obsessed with Dry Farm Wines. One of the most fun things for me as a wine lover is you get mixed boxes of wine and it introduces you to varietals from all over the world. The wines taste amazing and you can say goodbye to hangovers. If you think you can't drink wine, you've got to try Dry Farm Wines. I am obsessed. You can get a bottle for a penny. Yes, a penny. Just go to dryfarmwines.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to claim your penny bottle. That's dryfarmwines.com slash Melanie Avalon. All right, now back to the show. Hi, friends. An incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. 
There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold contamination. Dave has been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof Coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, (laughs) drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof Coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof Coffee, and it is called Danger Coffee, and friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted, and it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee with the coupon code melanieavalon for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit but sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, 
and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous and they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to melanieavalonscloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. So what would you say to listeners to encourage them just from that whole, you know, timeline aspect and dealing with, you know, when you are stuck in that moment and it can seem like you're never going to get better. In addition to that, should we be looking to our past self and like who we used to be and how much time that took or our future self, which you just talked about, you, you did, you did have this epiphany about your future self. So I know it's like kind of a nebulous question, but the whole concept of time and, you know, where should our energy be focused? Should we be thinking about the present, the future, the past, you know, can things change quickly? They definitely can. They don't always, but they, the important part is that they can change period. And I think there are two answers to that. We should be looking to the present to find out why this has happened. I really feel that I was sick in order to find my life purpose. And I don't think that's why everyone who has chronic illness gets sick because for one, plenty of people already have purpose. And for another, some people never have it and don't need it. So that was for me the reason. But finding why the world has forced you to slow down and stop and just be in the right now, I have found for everyone I've worked with to just be very beneficial. It doesn't necessarily mean that you got sick to change your entire world, but like maybe you did because the thing that illness does is give us time because you can't do all the things you normally do. And when it gets so sick that you can't even work, 
or care for children or do any of what you would usually be doing day to day, you have absolutely nothing but time. And I think that rather than thinking, oh, God, why has the world done this to me? Reframing it as why has the world given me this forced opportunity to sit and do nothing but figure out myself works a lot better. So in that sense, I think that the present is really the thing to focus on. And then in terms of who will be after being sick, it's very natural. And one thing that I experienced a lot with people in all the nutrition and wellness consulting I've done is that everyone, for the most part, tells me they want to either look or feel or both how they did before. And the problem with that is that time doesn't, at least in our universe, time doesn't go backwards. So you can never do that. Even if you're totally healthy, you cannot feel the way you felt a year ago because you're a year older. And whether you're in an older part of aging or a younger part of aging, it doesn't matter. Your body is cellularly different than it was a year ago. So we get very stuck in this idea of returning to a previous self. And even outside of illness, that's just an impossibility. You can never go back and start that job again as if you didn't work there. Life doesn't work like that. The best thing you can hope for is a new job where you do even better with all the things you've learned since that last one. So I really encourage people to look towards their future selves and visualize and create that person because it's purely positive of an experience. Whereas when we try to go back, it's so negative because it's impossible. So we feel like failures as soon as we try to do it. Like you cannot go back to the past successfully. It's just impossible unless you are a time traveler, which I don't know any. If you are, please let me know and you can come on the podcast because that would be... (laughs) Yeah, totally. I will listen so hard. I love those two reframes. I did love that reframe that you talked about with the slowed down effect and reframing that from, oh, I can't do anything to, wow, I actually have all of this time now where I can do all of these things, you know, focus on yourself, learn things. What can you do in this, this time that you have while you're struggling with these, these challenges as they were one more quick question about identity. And then we can move on to a few other topics, just because I know that there is the whole aspect for women, especially with chronic illness and hormones. And I think not that men don't struggle with this as well, but like weight fluctuations. I think that's so huge for so many women and definitely can come into play with illnesses. And like you said, you were, you know, modeling that was like part of your, your history. So you had this whole experience with weight gain. And so what would you offer to listeners about accepting our body, loving our bodies, understanding, you know, the fluctuations of weight. I think weight gain and weight loss very, very often accompany illnesses. What are your thoughts on that? So there's a lot of unlearning required, even as a healthy and well person, in order to feel comfortable in your body, however it is in whatever phase of life it's at and whatever it can or can't currently perform. That's a huge difficulty for people nowadays period. We're constantly bombarded with these images of like this very specific demographic. And they're young and they have a certain hair color and skin color and a certain body type. And if you're not that, you are less than. 
And unfortunately, that advertising for however many decades it's been going on was really successful. And we all bought into it very hard. So even as a healthy person, it's really difficult to just feel comfortable in your body at whatever size it is. But it's what we deserve. Not giving your body the love that it deserves is such a terrible thing to do to yourself. And there is no implicit right body. Whatever body you're in is the right body. I love the meme that says, my body's in a bikini, therefore it's a bikini body. Like, that's all it takes. <laughs> There's, like, we've constructed this crazy thing but about how you should look at any given moment, but like, it's not real in the slightest. And unlearning that is, is incredibly challenging, but really all the more important when you're sick because creating stress over not being happy about how your body is looking makes you less likely to be able to get well. And creating stress just causes so much more internal disruption. It disrupts your digestion. It slows down your metabolism. It does all these terrible things to you that make your physical symptoms that much worse. So I'm glad you brought up digestion. To clarify for listeners, like we said at the beginning, how to be well when you're not. It does have recipes, but it is much more about Ariane's journey and then these tools and these techniques. But you do have a section at the end with some recipes. You have, a, you have a really nice introduction to it and explanation that, I mean, obviously, I mean, even when people who aren't experiencing chronic illness, we all, you know, thrive on different diets or don't thrive on different diets. So there's not really any one recipe for anyone, any one food or diet for anybody. But that was something I love that you talked about was the difficulty of during stages of your illness only being able to eat, you know, certain foods seemingly and only being able to digest, you know, certain foods. What are your thoughts about when a person is in that situation? Not like how to get better, how you know, how to start eating more foods, but just becoming okay with not being able to have all the foods at that time. You know, is it okay? Because I think that is such a huge aspect for people, especially with, I mean, even with like IBS, which in a way would be a chronic, a chronic digestive illness. Should we be okay if we can only seemingly tolerate certain foods at a certain time in our life? Or is that just being accepting and, you know, we should, you know, try to eat more foods? The eating plan, quote unquote, in the book is like begins with this is not an eating plan. And it's all about Here's how to get in touch with what's working for you. And I think that that's a valuable tool to have when sick and when well. One thing that kept coming up for me in nutrition consulting was people saying, I have this condition, therefore I'm eating XYZ foods that science says is good for this condition, and they're making me feel worse. What do I do? And it was really hard to convince people to not eat those foods because they're always healthy foods. Like whatever illness you have, the foods that are listed that you should eat for it are ones that we generally implicitly as a society consider healthy foods. And they don't necessarily work. Like you can't necessarily process them when you're in the state of having that problem. So it's very counterintuitive because people are often eating things they think they're supposed to eat and then it doesn't make them feel better. So clearly that's not the answer. The answer to me is much more what feels good in my body right now 
because you can live on anything for any you know short amount of time. So if you can't digest these things that are in your repertoire as the best foods, it takes a lot of unlearning to be okay with that. I really felt like, well, I'm supposed to eat this amount of vegetables a day. So like my being incredibly bloated and uncomfortable is worth it because I did that. And I spent a long time with that until it just became so physically uncomfortable that I couldn't cope. And that's ridiculous. So the eating part of the book is really just looking to give people permission to get in touch with themselves in yet another way. Because that's what the book is, period, is how to get in touch with all these parts of you that can be very difficult to get in touch with. And when it comes to food, we are just bombarded with all these different ideas. And the problem with our ideas as a culture around food is that you can kind of prove anything with a study. Like you can prove that like X amount of salt is the right amount and you can prove that it's the wrong amount. You can prove that carbs are the devil and you can prove that everyone needs carbs. Like there's no, (laughs) there's no real right answers. And it's very convincing whatever argument you choose to believe. Like we really get indoctrinated into these ideas. So I just think it's incredibly important that people learn a process of figuring out what the right foods are for them. And it's, vital when sick, but then it still maintains a big importance when well, because at any given moment, eating the food your body wants is going to serve you better than eating the food your body doesn't want. I often think about if there was, you know, one right diet that worked for everybody, I'm pretty sure we probably would have found it by now because it would be working for everybody. You know, (laughs) like if there was one diet, then people could follow it. But We are all so unique and different things work for us individually and at different times. Oh, yes. You can crave something and digest it really well for months or years. And then suddenly it doesn't work anymore. That's common. Like that's so common for people, healthy and not. It's also a really fascinating full circle in a way on, because you were talking at the beginning about how you grew up in a, a quote, like orthorexia type you know, situation where it was, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like, you know, an enforced orthorexia because you were just raised to eat these certain foods. Not that I'm advocating orthorexia as being an okay thing, but compared to when you are in chronic illness and certain only certain foods work for you, and then others might interpret that as you being orthorexic when really it's just you embracing the foods that work for you at that time. I think the attitude is really different. And that's the main, that's the main thing is it's, it's one thing to say, this is what works in my body right now. And it's something very different to say, I don't eat that food because it's bad. Like the idea of that's unclean is something that we have managed to like really scare ourselves with. And it's creating so much stress that it kind of undoes anything you'd accomplish through what you eat. It's just so wonderful that, I mean, you ha- you provide all this in the book, but then you also, you know, come from this perspective of having worked with, I mean, that's what you do, not to define you by your job, but you know, you are, you are a special dietary chef and a nutritionist and you've worked with so many amazing people. And I mean, that's just so wonderful that you can, I think that you really have the experience and you've seen, you know, that different foods work for different people. So having that aspect is absolutely wonderful as well. You do talk about a lot of other things in the book and I will let listeners 
pick up a copy to learn more about that. But you talk about the importance of, you know, physical movement, breath work, and like we said, very implementable practices. I love your approach to meditation and a higher power, for example. You present it to the reader in a very accessible manner because I think a lot of people can get turned off by things like meditation or higher powers or to see them as, you know, quote, like woo-woo or just see them as something they can never really actually do. Would you like to just talk briefly about your thoughts on that, you know, meditation, higher power, those type of things? I included the spiritual element in the book comfortably because it is so well-backed scientifically. As much as I love anecdotal evidence, I really didn't feel, I didn't want to include that in this because I wanted it to just be straightforward. And I didn't want people to be put off by a level of spirituality that they felt they couldn't relate to. So things like the breathwork exercises are very simple ones that have been studied to have specific effects. Like this calms your heart, slows your nervous system down, etc. I felt comfortable including those because they have real benefits. And the thing with the higher power concept is that it doesn't matter what it is <laughs> scientifically at all. It is simply the belief in something bigger guiding you that creates a more positive mindset and therefore makes you more likely to recover. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a Buddhist or a witch. If you feel held by God or the universe or greater good or whatever you want to call it, your chances of feeling better improve because that's a positive feeling. So being able to get in touch with that feeling isn't always easy. And one thing that people tend to say when they're going through awful life situations is that they feel like God or whatever your word for it is has forsaken them or forgot about them. And that sense of loss and disconnection from a higher power makes us feel worse. So I work in the book on helping people get in touch with just that really general sense that they are being held and cared for by something bigger. Yeah, I love that so, so much. And okay, so I have two two last questions before we go. First of all, what would you say to a listener, to a reader who does find themselves in the darkest depths of a chronic illness and they feel like things are never going to get better, never going to change, what would you say to them? There are countless examples of which I am only one of people who have been told the exact same thing and got better. There are so many people out there who have experienced bigger things than I did. You know, what I went through was major for sure, but there are people who have had things like hugely traumatic brain injuries and, you know, gotten the bulk of their body crushed by something. There are such bigger things than can happen than what I've been through. And there are people who've like fully recovered from those things. So many people who were told things like, you'll never walk again, who are out there walking around. Everything is possible. And the biggest disservice we can do to ourselves is believing when we're told that our recovery is impossible. Whatever you're experiencing, having hope makes all the difference. Knowing that you're not alone, that other people, even if you're physically alone right now, other people have gone through what you've gone through. Even if it is one of the strangest, most out there diseases, other people 
have experienced the same feelings that you have right now. And at least some of those people have found a place of okayness within that or recovered completely. So there is hope. I love that. I love that. So the last question, this is actually the question that I'm asking every single guest on this podcast. And it's very, very appropriate for our conversation today. Sometimes it doesn't seemingly relate, but this it really relates today. It's because I have realized how important mindset is and gratitude and shaping our health, our wellness, just our entire lives. So what is something that you're grateful for? doesn't have to be the most grateful thing, but just what is what is something that you're grateful for? Oh, that's sweet. I am having a difficult week work-wise and have been just sort of sitting around unplanned, trying to figure out how to make everything better. And I spent the hour and change before we started recording on a Word document entitled Things I Am Grateful For. And I let myself stop once I hit a thousand words. It's so hard to choose. I mean, in tune with the book, more than almost anything, I'm so grateful that it is making it out into the world because I feel like it's why I was put on the planet was to disseminate that information and that people can find it inexpensively, like the cost of a paperback or even free at a library makes me feel like my life is fulfilled. And I'm very proud of what I've accomplished in general, but it's sort of my crowning thing of like, thank heavens, I got to do this. Now, whatever else happens is a bonus because someone, if not many, someone's hopefully will feel better because of what I shared. So I'm the most grateful for that right now. Well, that is absolutely wonderful. And I am, I am so grateful for your work. It resonated with me so much. And I think it's going to help so many people. I mean, everything that you just said with your goals of what you know you wanted it to be, I think it really, really is. And I cannot recommend listeners get a copy of it right away. Well, Ariane, thank you. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you, by the way, for doing the recipes for What Went Wine back in the day. Oh my goodness. That was so much fun. I loved that. That was a great project. You were one of the easiest people to work with humanly possible. You were like so happy about everything all the way through, which is just like such an enormous rarity in the world in general. And it remains one of my absolute favorite projects that I've done. Oh, thank you. That's so funny. I was thinking that I was being crazy because I was <laughs> with all my like crazy stipulations and... Oh, no, not in the slightest. Oh, I love it. I love all of your other books as well. They're absolutely amazing. Super random side note for listeners. I gave a copy of Ariane's book, Wake Sleep, to my sister for her birthday and she loved it. That's an awesome book as well. But thank you so much for everything that you've done. How can people follow your work? How can they get the book? What's all the information there? The book is in all the normal places, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, retailers. My website is ariancooks.com. My name is spelled A-R-I-A-N-E. And then cooks is C-O-O-K-S.com. And then on Instagram, it's chef underscore Ariane. Well, perfect. So I will put links to all of that in the show notes. So the show notes will be at melanieavalon.com slash wellness. And all of the the notes, I'll put links there to Ariane's book, to everything that we talked about. So definitely, definitely check that out. All right. Well, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your work. And hopefully, hopefully we'll meet in in person. 
someday. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. No, of course. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. For more information, you can check out my book, What Win Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, as well as my blog, MelanieAvalon.com. Feel free to contact me at podcast at MelanieAvalon.com. And always remember, you got this.